Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Joel Sadler. He's the founder of Piper. This is Technotopia. You know what's not smart? Using your relatives to fill in at work while you look for staff. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash techno to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply, so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. Right now, my listeners, you guys, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com techno. At ZipRecruiter.com slash techno. ZipRecruiter.com slash techno. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today we have Joel Sadler, CTO and founder of Piper. Uh, Piper is one of my favorite projects. I've, I've followed you guys for a little while. Why don't you tell uh, everybody what you guys are working on? Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So... Yeah, Piper is all about uh, teaching kids about technology uh, in a surprising way. Uh, we have a computer kit where kids actually have to build their own working computer. And in the process, they learn about physical building, electronics, and programming all in one DIY STEM experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think your first project was like a Minecraft computer, right? It was like a DIY Minecraft computer? Exactly. So one of the key hooks about our our approach was how do we actually make this experience in a way kids care about? And the one of the best parts was that when you build a computer and boot it up, it boots into a 3D world based mm-hmm. on Minecraft Pi Edition. And uh, we use that 3D world as a way to weave in stories and guided lessons. So kids learn about the fundamental concepts. They don't realize that they're learning, but in the process, they're actually learning how to build more objects in the world. Mm-hmm. And how did that how did that uh, do? I guess you guys that was a couple years ago though already that you guys sold that thing. Yeah, we've been uh, selling the Piper computer kit for a number of years now, and and evolving evolving it and adding more content. Um, yeah, I think it started from a Kickstarter, and uh, we put it out there. I think uh, if you have kids in the age sort of seven to seven to twelve, chances are they're probably addicted uh, to Minecraft or some flavor of that. Um, so we had a, a really effective hook, parents who were looking for ways to get their, um, their kids interested in technology, um, in seeing what was under the hood and doing it in a fun way that they knew would be, would be engaging. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, it, it evolved to be more than just parents and, you know, now more of an educational product that's going into schools, that's part of a school curriculum. So, you know, we're really excited to see the evolution of that. So I'm like a, uh, I'm a, I'm a STEM cynic. So STEM toy cynic, it just drives mm-hmm. me nuts. Cause we have like, I've, I, I try it all. And mm-hmm. the only thing that worked recently was something, uh, from, um, uh, software will save the world or something like that. It was basically mm-hmm. just like a DIY little, uh, little kit that you could put together. Uh, mm-hmm. you can make a, um, like a wearable and a little computer and thing. And that yeah. and that was used my, my my son who's six years old he used that for more than twenty four hours which was a real first for us because historically when we get these things in 
the the it takes it's about two hours before they get tired of it, especially if there's like <laughs> soldering involved. <laughs> and oh, if yeah. there's soldering involved, then it's like forty five minutes. So it's just really frustrating to me. What what are you guys doing to to encourage uh, I guess engagement? How can we make yeah. how can we make kids into this get kids into this stuff? Yeah, it's great you bring up your six year old and, and it sounds like you had a you successfully managed to uh, break through the the one hour barrier. Yep. I mean that that's the challenge with STEM solutions, um, whether in the home or in the classroom, it's really how do you sustain engagement with kids beyond a single play session? Um, you know, for us, it was things like having a really rich building experience that was hands-on, that was, you know, engaging the tactile senses. It's a, you know, our computer kits made out of wood, there's screws and nuts and bolts, and you follow a, an engineering blueprint. Um, it's a very engaging, you know, it's like erector sets or Meccano if you're from mm -hmm. the UK. You know, that, that option to have a tactile experience um, and then introducing gradually the software side, you know, like we mentioned that 3D world the Minecraft Pi edition, that was an instant sort of next stage. Mm -hmm. And then introducing coding in the context of the thing you just made. You just made a computer, you've seen the inside, you've hooked up the motherboard, the speaker, the, the battery, the screen, you know, everything that goes into a computer at that point and then introduce the more abstract things like programming and how programming can help you make lights turn on and sounds and trigger when someone you know opens your treasure chest. Uh, so engagement is absolutely one of the uh, most difficult things to design into these products. I think you mentioned being a STEM cynic. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're definitely on the same page. We we try, you know, when we were starting this, we played with every. STEM product that we could find to really synthesize what was, you know, what was going to be effective in getting us there. Um, and, you know, I think products that put kids first, that put what kids are interested in um, and, you know, sort of stoking their creative spirit, you know, whether that's putting them in a 3D Lego Minecraft-like world, you know, to frame their mind that this isn't an abstract um, lesson in learning about algorithms, but something that's really about their natural play. Uh, and natural creativity. Uh, and we found that that engagement has been helpful to get us to those deeper parts of, you know, really getting to the fundamentals of showing, well, how do computers work? How do, you know, electronics and even the simplest circuit, how does that work? And then mm -hmm. build up the more complexity. But it all starts with that engagement and all starts with, you know, listening to what kids care about and what they're obsessed with. So what, why did, why do you think kids need this? What, what, what research did you do or do, was it, cause if what it feels like is that I learned how to, I learned how to program on an Atari 800 XL. You probably programmed on a, on a PC, uh, and you did some electronics or whatever, which you mo did mostly in college. Why do you think kids need, uh, uh, access to this sort of stuff, which is essentially hands-on DIY electronics, uh, for all intents yeah. purposes? It was great you bring up your Atari experience. You know, behind every sort of great problem solver, especially if they use technology, they often have a story about when when they were a kid. You know, it's their first computer or their first electronic Lego set or the first time they wired up, you know, maybe it was a transistor radio if you're going way back to the 70s and early 80s. Um, so, you know, we fundamentally believe that, you know, to have kids prepared for their future, with technology, you know, we have to have these early positive childhood experiences that, you know, show you what your options are, show you what your tools that are available. You know, I grew up, I grew up in Jamaica, um, playing with electronic Lego bricks and and uh, making potato cannons. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, those early experiences, um, firing up my first computer, which you're right, was a, you know, was actually a DOS box. Um, yep. Uh, playing rich video games like story with storytelling in them, you know, uh, these were all foundational to me going into a career of uh, making products to help people. If I hadn't, if I hadn't programmed my first lines of uh, of logo, which you know was a uh, a really old program from the 70s and 80s that it still exists today, uh, you know, where you you use code to draw pictures on the screen. If yep. I hadn't had that you know, one hour experience in school, you know, I'm not sure I would have connected the dots and seen that computers and code were a way to express yourself um, creatively and not just, you know, about the technical aspects of it. Um, so, you know, the motivation behind all of this is, you know, what are we doing to prepare our kids for their for their future? How are we keeping them up to date with the, the technology that's emerging, um, whether that's computer science fundamentals or creative computing is the term that we prefer, um, or creative problem solving, yeah, tools like ours and 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 other STEM tools are, I think, essential to building those confidence, uh, those com- early confidence building experiences. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, what do you think kids are going to need to know to survive? Uh, I guess in the coming environmental crisis, yeah. over the next few uh, over the next few decades, what do you think kids are going to need to know to uh, to to thrive in in this in this world I guess yeah well I think you know the job of educators now this is this is what they're um, thinking about every day what do we need to prepare our kids for the emerging future mm-hmm. it's an unknown future it's one where there's new jobs that most of the jobs that will be available in 20 years they don't exist now um, uh, you know most of the challenges that we have to face whether it's you know the changing environment or pollution or um, uh, the the unexpected things that emerge from from introducing technology, you know, we I think that the trend I like is, is you know the trend of design thinking or teaching creative problem solving as the goal in education. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a focus on we all agree we should teach math and we should teach language skills, English in in the U.S. in schools. Um, but I think what we're really getting at is, you know, what are those foundational um, skills that are going to prepare kids to solve unexpected challenges in the future. And so, you know, technology is always emerging and, and, um, you know, we think it's sort of important that if you're, if you're a learner in today's school, that you, you get access to the, to the, you know, the cutting edge of tools that are available to you. And that computers are one of the most powerful problem solving tools in the arsenal. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of where we see things changing, um, okay, we talked about math and English, but I think there's a new kind of language that needs to be taught in school as a, you know, as a requirement, and that's sort of the language of technology. And it, it goes beyond teaching programming languages. It's a, it's a bit broader in that we want to, you know, expose programming in the context of computing and physical devices, um, not just abstract technical aspects, but mm-hmm. how do I actually use these ideas to create things and solve problems? Um, and so I think, I think that's a lot of why we do what we do. What would have been different for you if you had had these kind of tools when you were a kid? Well, I think um, the earlier that I would, would have been exposed to, let's say, these creative computing experiences, the better. So, you know, as soon as you're able to sort of speak, you know, that's when we 
um, when we can start to introduce uh, computational concepts. We're, we already kind of do it in, in the world of math and English. It's just sort of hidden in there. Um, so I think, you know, starting from an early age, um, having a pathway of lots of experiences, whether it's, you know, the stuff we build or some of the other great STEM tools out there, you know, it's, it's about giving these bite-sized, engaging experiences from an early age that build confidence and then build complexity, like understanding of the fun fundamentals. Um, so, I, so I think it sort of starts, uh, we like the age of sort of six to seven starting out there because we find that, uh, you know, at that age, our, we see kids every day build, build computers at age seven. So, um, you know, our theory is if a seven-year-old can do it, anyone can do it. So it's a pathway to any, any age uh on the curve and what, uh mm -hmm. what's the best way to introduce it like uh like what what have you seen in terms of uh, what parents are doing to get kids excited about this kind of stuff yeah well you know i alluded to this before it's sort of putting experiences in front of kids that that they are inherently excited about you know for you know for us with piper we we typically have to remove kids from from the from our product <laughs> mm -hmm. you know they they, uh, the engagement with our software experience and, and, and the physical digital environment is, um, you know, it, it sort of has that magic allure. Um, so I think, I think that's like where we like to have a lot of focus is just making sure that um, those experiences that kids walk away from that with a really positive feeling, um, with pride for something that they created. Um, you know, a good trick is that if they've created something meaningful to them, um, whether that was a, a circuit that, you know, lit up when, when something happened in the world, like, you know, somebody entered their house or opened a treasure chest, you mm -hmm. know, the little creative experiences are the, are the building blocks that then later on become, um, you know, someone making the next autonomous car or, uh, inventing the next, uh, uh, mobile device you know mm -hmm. interesting what does the world look like in uh, in 20 years well you know there's some super interesting trends in education i mean uh i think in 20 years what we're seeing is that more and more um technology is becoming a part of the classroom the stem narrative technology computer science and things of that flavor um so you know i think in 20 years the, the you know the role of the education system and teachers is sort of shifting. Um, you know, one of the sneaky things we did with our product was design it in a way that didn't require a teacher to know anything about electronics or coding or technology. You know, we open the box, hand it to the, the classroom of kids, and, mm -hmm. and they would go off. So I think one of the interesting trends is what's how are kids going to be learning in 20 years? Uh, I think school always has a role to play, um, but what we're seeing is more and more people go out. Um, they might have these uh, guided, self-guided experiences in a box, mm -hmm. or they might go on the internet on YouTube or Khan Academy or some of these massive open online uh, courses, these environments where I think we're seeing a democratization of learning that's very exciting to us because we want kids to be able to make anything. And in that process, they need to learn you know, they need to learn about very complex things. And, and, you know, the education system right now is pivoting, you know, to catch up with that. So, so I think learning in, in 20 years, I think we'll have 
anything you want to learn will be a lot, you know, more accessible. It may not require you to go and, you know, have an expert teacher. It may be assisted with tools like our tools and, and others that sort of guide people through out of the box without needing expertise, um, perhaps without even needing a, um, an expert teacher initially. Um, and that, that sort of democratization of learning is, is, um, is going to be very exciting for society. All right. Excellent. So and you guys are going to democratize it by sending, uh, sending little Raspberry Pi Minecraft machines out to the world. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's definitely a start. And, you know, the nice thing about the Raspberry Pi that you mentioned it, um, I mean, this, this uh, you know, this is a $35 full computer in a tiny little circuit board the size of a credit card. I mean, what's incredible is that in, in about eight years, anyone can afford a, a little Raspberry Pi that runs its own little uh, Minecraft Raspberry Pi world. Um, so, you know, in 20 years time, extrapolate forward on Moore's law, um, the access to technology is really exploding. Millions of Raspberry Pis have been sold. Um, so I think a really interesting trend is, you know, I grew up in Jamaica. There were no, there were no Raspberry Pis when I, was, when I was growing up there. In 20 years time, it will be normal that in your average school, um, that every single kid will, will have access to, to very powerful computational objects, whether that's Raspberry Pis or variants of those affordable computing devices embedded with sensors, embedded with um, rich output devices. Um, you know, that's a very exciting world because, you know, now everyone can afford the things that, uh, you know, are in our everyday mobile devices. Um, and then the challenge then becomes how people like us come, come along and create experiences that are um, guided and meaningful and, and kind of teach you how to take those atoms, those little words in the mm -hmm. technology language and string them together in, in, in ways that connect, you know, with the creative spirit. Um, but I think, you know, everyone can, everyone can afford a computer right now. And what we're seeing is everyone can actually build their own computer right now if they have these micro experiences that are well, well designed, well crafted um, from a usability point of view from the beginning. Very cool. And all I have to do is go to playpiper.com and pick up uh, one of these little machines. Yeah, yeah, playpiper.com. And we have, uh, you know, um, the Piper Computer Kit as an, you know, an introductory experience where mm -hmm. you start by building your own computer. And we have other, other things in the works, too, that, uh, that build on that. I'm going to have to get one of these and see, uh, and see if the kids, kids actually do it. If they don't, I'm sending it right back. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take you, I'll take you up on that. All right. Very cool. Joel, thank you for joining us on Technotopia. This has been, uh, this has been really good stuff. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Sectotopia is also sponsored by Jaywalk. 
Jaywalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at jaywalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. Jaywalk.me, please check it out.